Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. They go to the corner to Maitland. Maitland's there. He's got the opening track for Scotland. And Scotland have won by 15 points to seven. Through the scutons, through the gap, under the post. Try for Scotland. Scotland's men's team have a first win on Welsh soil since 2002. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Welcome to the news cycle that just keeps hitting us over the head. It is an awful lot of doom to get through in 45 minutes, but we're going to try our best. And to help us, I've got the most negative man in Scottish rugby alongside me. Alan, how are you doing, bud? Yeah, good. Um, obviously, it's my birthday at the weekend, which uh, obviously both of you messaged me to congratulate me about. Oh, shit. I was like, you know... I wait for like the pod WhatsApp group to like flood with like kind messages about um, my birthday. Literal silence the whole day until the Edinburgh La Rochelle game when it was never mentioned. So that was great. I'm really sorry about that, mate. For some reason, I I, I thought it was this weekend. Unless <laughs> more of you, I literally sent Matt a card for his last birthday, and I never send cards. Yeah, I do feel really bad now, actually. Sorry. Shit, more more bad news to add to the uh, the news cycle. Um, Matt, is that is that ruined ruined an already tough week for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's sort of the the icing on the cake for a pretty terrible week for everyone involved with with Scottish rugby. I can only apologise. Alan. I'll do better next time. It's okay. Uh, to be fair, when I sent you your card, I didn't actually write anything in it, so you know, it's uh, it's probably all fair. Yeah, so it could have been more on the end. Well, let's put our personal sort of disappointments aside and we can get into more of our sort of semi-professional ones 
relating to Scottish rugby. Before we do that, a quick reminder, you can always catch up with us on Twitter at ThistleRugbyPod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, and send us an email, the ThistleRugby at gmail.com. Also, we had a record week, you masochists, for our newsletter this weekend, going through all of the negative stuff. So that is Substack Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, and that comes into your inbox every week. But why don't we start with the story that has gotten absolutely everybody talking um, and has really put that sort of, uh, what's the opposite of a cherry on the top of a cake, but it is certainly not good news. Adam Hastings confirmed he's going to be leaving Glasgow at the end of the season, going down to the English Premiership to play for Gloucester um, alongside Chris Harris. Um, Matt, talk me through your initial feelings when that, that news dropped. Well, I think we've sort of got used to the realities of Glasgow having to sort of move on their best players. And we've seen that with Hogg, Gray and Russell. And there was probably an expectation that the likes of Fagerson's, maybe Cummings, Hastings, maybe even Price would move on at some point. But I'm still quite surprised by how early Adam Hastings has decided to move. I was looking at him. He's only had sort of, I think it's still under 50 appearances for for Glasgow, he's he's still pretty inexperienced, um, or he's he's not actually played that often for for the side, and it just overall, you know, Glasgow seem to be on a perpetual decline at the moment, and losing Hastings, who is probably one of their best players, if not the, their most important player at least, it's just a bit of a hammer blow once again to to Glasgow. Alan, was that an accurate summary from uh, Matt? Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, from sort of Hastings' perspective, you know, I guess he sort of originally went to school at Watson's and then finished down in Millfield and in Somerset. So he is kind of from that sort of south southwest region. So um, it's potentially not that surprising that, that he's um, decided to go back down there. But I think you're, you're right, Matt, in the sense that you probably expected him maybe to at least have another sort of two years on his contract. And I, and I think the main thing from a Glasgow perspective is at least with Russell, you know, Hastings had been brought back up from Bath and had sort of been slotted in there as the the kind of natural replacement with Pete Horn, you know, at the time, sort of two, three years ago, like a pretty more than capable sort of understudy um, as well at that 10 role. Whereas now you just look at <laughs> what the options are once Hastings leaves and, and it really is barren. Well, you talk about what um, Glasgow's options might be. The um, the rumour mill is absolutely a foot that uh, the SRU have chucked a big offer at um, Scots qualified um, fly half Ben Healy, currently at Munster. Um, Matt, do you think he would be a good man to come in? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because this rumour was sort of floating around a couple of weeks ago, I think, and it seemed a bit out of the blue. But now it obviously makes a lot more sense with Hastings leaving. I mean, I think by, by all accounts, he's a really highly regarded young player at Munster. And uh, we, uh, Alan tweeted something earlier um, from a sort of uh, Irish Munster-focused radio show, I think it was, saying that if he left, it would cause uproar in Irish rugby circles. So and and so far this season, I think he's been playing more than he'd expected because Joey Carberry's been injured, but he's done really well. So 
if they could tempt Tim across with a view to him obviously going on to play for Scotland, I actually think it would be a really big coup. I, I just, in terms of the actual uh, chances of that happening, I, I, I'm not sure I see them that high. I don't think at this stage of his career, money would be the only consideration, but I obviously don't know what's what he's thinking at the moment. Well, it certainly seems that the SIU are throwing the kitchen sink at it, not just uh, money-wise. There is talk that Gregor Townsend's been involved in trying to get him through and, you know, talks of fast-tracking him into the Scotland setup as a little, as a nice little carrot to get him across um, into Scotland. Um, Alan, do you think he's the answer to Glasgow's 10 um, question? And um, what other options might be out there if, uh, if he's not? I mean, I, I don't think he's a bad option. I guess, you know, I say, like, I think at the start of the year, he was clearly sort of fighting almost for that sort of third choice 10 role at Munster. And I actually think he's still on an academy contract. I, I don't think he's even fully been made sort of a, been put on a pro contract at Munster. Um, but he's obviously coming this year. You know, he played in that game against Glasgow. And I thought, he, you know, for a guy who's, what, 2021, he looked like pretty assured and got a pretty massive boot on him and um, obviously came off the bench at the weekend in sort of the Champions Cup and sort of closed out that match against Harlequin. So clearly, you know, for a young guy, he's, he's sort of got the game and, and appears to have like quite a good head on his shoulders. Um, I, I do wonder if, from a sort of Ireland perspective, they'll be almost a little bit more keen to keep him, given the fact that Carberry is injury-prone you know, Billy Burns is kind of good for Ulster, but actually not sort of world class. And then they've sort of looked at bringing Byrne in as kind of like Sexton's replacement at Ireland, but he's just never really been able to sort of step up in those in those kind of international matches. And it's not really clear. There's no clear sort of Sexton kind of successor. And I wonder whether just because of how good Healy's kind of his performances have been over the last sort of kind of two or three months whether there might be just a much bigger push from the kind of Ireland um, union to keep him. But, I mean, if they don't get him, I guess you look at Glasgow, and at the moment you've ultimately got Pete Horn, who is kind of getting older, he's in, in, gone into his 30s and is a better you know, 12 than he is 10. You've got Brandon Thompson, who I think you know, 12, 18 months ago, I think there was kind of a bit of a hope that he might sort of develop into a pretty handy player and kind of the last sort of few games he's played, his confidence just looks completely shot. And, you know, his, his kind of last minute kick against Dragons where he hit the post just sort of summed all that completely up. And then you, you look at sort of Thompson, who's sort of young, sort of 20, 21-year-old in the academy, but obviously he's played quite well for air, but hasn't really been given the opportunities. And, and, and I guess, you know, when you get to that, when you start getting to that sort of 21-year-old age, you know, you're, you're hoping that you're at least sort of pushing into kind of getting into some game time for Glasgow. So it's there isn't really anything behind. And actually, we were chatting on the WhatsApp group today. You know, you look, you know, because 10 is such a kind of specialist position, there really isn't very much for Glasgow to go after that either isn't untested, kind of pretty old or super expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose the problems are racking up for um, for Glasgow and the SIU in terms of um, keeping some of these young, promising stars. Um, I think there is a 
a list as long as your arm as to how many people are out of contract in that Glasgow squad at the end of the year. But if you talk about names you've already mentioned and some other they're big stars, I mean, Nakwara, Cummings, um, Hastings has obviously already gone, Sam Johnson, Hugh Jones, Tommy Seymour, um, guys who have been sort of really at the heart of that Glasgow project and are sort of in a lot of them in their international prime coming up on their contract towards the end of this year. And the SRU, we know, are extremely cash-strapped. Matt, do you think there's anyone in that? Do you think there's a few of those lads that will also be heading for the door? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Someone like Seymour, I imagine, is getting close to retirement age. I could definitely see Hugh Jones picking up a really nice deal on the south coast of France. Uh, I think that there was, on some forum somewhere, there's a bit of someone linking him to Clermont which I, I don't know how much substance there is to that, but I could actually see him doing really well there. And then you you look at guys like Xander Fagerson and Scott Cummings, who at various points in the last sort of six months have, have maybe been in that Lions conversation. You you think, you know, if they're happy to, to leave Glasgow, which I suppose is another consideration in terms of whether they're settled, their, their families, etc., then I wouldn't be surprised because... Obviously, if Glasgow can keep all their players together and get some new signings in, there's potential that the the team improves. But as I said before, at the moment, it seems as if that's if, if you want to be sort of playing at the highest level, doing your Scotland chances best. I just don't know if Glasgow is the the place to be at the moment. Yeah, I suppose as Peter Wright said, his his opinion was that um, if you want to win trophies, you've got to leave Glasgow. Or Edinburgh. Another person that's coming for an awful lot of criticism around um, Glasgow this season is, of course, Danny Wilson, the new head coach. How much do you think can be laid at his door, Alan, versus you know just the extremely difficult circumstances surrounding COVID and the ultimate sort of tightening of budgets as a result? Yeah, I think I guess you've got to look at what he's been given. I think it's pretty. It's pretty clear, and I think he's he's actually stated that you know there was a lot of players that they were looking at or they were in negotiations with that when COVID hit, they they essentially had to sort of pull back from and and ultimately went into this season without as strong a squad as they were hoping. And at the same time, I think when you look at not only the number of players that Glasgow um, had at the Autumn Nations Cup, but also the number of injuries they've had, they've been you know pretty severely impacted. I say even more so than Edinburgh, even though Cockrell's sort of complaining quite a lot. However, for 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 a coach who's sort of praised for his ability to kind of bring a harder edge and some structure, it does feel like, especially in a, in a lot of these pro 14 games that Glasgow, especially within the forwards, have just really struggled to um, to really sort of face up against what are, you know, relatively average packs. So I think it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, and I think ultimately he needs to be given a bit more time and the ability to sort of shape this team as it is. But you know, it, it's not a great start out of the gate. I I kind of feel for him because I think he has been handed such a difficult situation, um, and I I just do think that you know coming into that Glasgow camp on the back of Dave Rennie who notwithstanding a few players coming out and saying they didn't like him, I think overall was very well regarded. And he was 
on the whole, an extremely successful Glasgow coach if you looked at his win ratio. And I, I just get the sense that Danny Wilson walking into that Glasgow camp is just immediately not held in the same regard. And for that, I would sort of probably lay the blame at the feet of the SRU. Once again, it's a lot of it is down to, to COVID and it seems as if he was probably the cheaper option moving him from that Scotland assistant role. But I think that that just seems like a demotion in quality of coach and just kind of sets the tone in terms of the ambition that, that Glasgow are showing. So I understand there's external kind of circumstances there, but I think that the, the SRU have been slightly at fault there. And the other aspect of that, Matt, I think, you know, we, you and me were discussing it. It's just, it's just naturally it, Dave Rennie attracted players interest and ultimately probably opened doors and conversations with kind of new recruits that ultimately Wilson just isn't able to do. When when Wilson's spoken about transfer activity, signing activity, because obviously Glasgow fans have been very concerned, it seems as if there there was some stuff that was maybe being uh, that was maybe close to to getting over the line, but COVID has completely disrupted stuff. And the signings of people like TJ Ioani and and Lukatui, which have been very underwhelming maybe just reflects that. But I think, you know, maybe we'll see a bit more of, of Danny Wilson's ability to bring in players if he's given a longer stretch at the club and things settle down from a sort of financial and long-term strategic planning perspective. But I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that, you know, globally, Dave Rennie had a good reputation and players would have wanted to come and, and work with him. Whereas Wilson... I think is a highly regarded coach by people in the know, but doesn't have that same standing. Well, yeah, I mean, the the big thing about Dave Rennie in the early days was that he was going to bring Aaron Cruden to Scotston, um, which, you know, never happened in the end. But that's the sort of calibre in which uh, Dave Rennie, those were the pools he was swimming in. And I think Danny Wilson probably just doesn't excite players who are maybe looking for a new opportunity in the in the same way um and speaking of looking for new opportunities we'll, we'll be very uh quick and back to glasgow's misery soon but the so you're obviously facing a big challenge keeping hold of um duhan van der merwe as well recently capped for scotland the edinburgh winger is being linked with a move down to the english premiership as well rumor has it 300k a year from the worcester warriors this one broke in the rugby paper a couple of days ago. Um, Matt, would you be pissed off if Duhan left Edinburgh? Slightly. I I think the fact, maybe it's just the timing, but the fact that he has just gained his residency, has been capped for Scotland, and then is being linked with a big money move to the Premiership. And and also the fact that it's, it's Worcester. Worcester are awful. They're always close to getting relegated. There's absolutely no chance that they're playing in the Champions Cup. I, I don't sort of see a, a really sort of optimistic future for that club. So uh, in that regard, it looks like he's going solely for a payday. And, and while I, I would never sort of, uh, you know, deny a player's right to do that, you know, he's still pretty young. And I think that he does owe the SRU a little bit more because he was ultimately plucked out of obscurity from Montpellier given a lot of chances, which he admittedly has taken, but to to potentially up sticks 
as as soon as he is able to effectively it just looks all just looks a bit cynical to me. Yeah, I guess you know the feels it feels a little bit off given the fact that obviously Duhans just just qualified for, for Scotland, but I probably don't agree with the fact that he really owes Scotland or the SRU anything. You know, I guess ultimately, if he'd been a complete and utter failure, we would have cut him. You know, there would, it's not like we would have really been doing any favours. Ultimately, yes, so you brought them over on the cheap because they saw it as a great opportunity to um, get in, a, get in a, a player that was hungry for, of clearly, international rugby and was willing to sort of move over to, to Edinburgh to sort of make that, make that happen. And I think ultimately we're only in the situation where we're sort of chatting about him owing anything to Scotland because he's been so wildly successful. Ultimately, if he hadn't been, you know, so you would have kind of cut him off the books as quickly as they could, and and you know that is just the sad reality of kind of what that rule around the three year residency has created. Ultimately, the SOU and Duhan are both just playing that rule, playing that within those rules. I, I agree on the both sides sort of playing those rules, and the SOU are as guilty as Duhan, but. As I said, I think that he has taken those opportunities at Edinburgh with both hands, but he was still given that chance by Edinburgh. And let's not forget also that he had some pre-existing hip injury that Edinburgh were willing to overlook. I mean, this this is a guy who had you know not really played much professional rugby in South Africa, had managed to scrape together a handful of games in Montpellier, but... Remember when he signed for Edinburgh? No one knew who he was. I, 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 know, get, I get that. But I, I do think that he... I don't know. I, I like to think there is some still some element of loyalty. And as I say, the, the fact that he's moving to Worcester, it just speaks to me. He's like The, the ambition's not, not there. And, and maybe he thinks that Edinburgh isn't the, the best place to fulfil those ambitions, but I'd say Worcester is, you know... Uh, kind of lower than, than Edinburgh. I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think ultimately, if Duhan's aim is to win trophies, then he's making a terrible decision. Um, but, you know, and, 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 and but ultimately, as we said, it's a short career. And as you noted, he's had historic injuries that have probably limited his potential. I, I remember seeing sort of a video a few months ago that said that Duhan is like wildly regarded as like one of the greatest like South African school and um, prospects of all time. And, you know, that was included with people like Johan Goosen, etc. And he clearly had injuries and ultimately went to Europe to try and kind of as like a final shot. But for him, you know, it's probably in the back of his mind that, you know, injuries have al- almost ruined his career when he was younger. And I guess ultimately could ruin his career in the future. And if, Worcester willing to kind of whatever it is double triple his wage, then potentially you know he's he's got to take it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's it is a hard one, and I guess the question actually I was keen to get your thoughts, Matt, is if it was like Watson going, well, I'd almost prefer a forward to be going to kind of your Exeters or your Toulouse's, whereas with like specifically winger, I'm sort of less bothered in terms of like. 
the exposure he's getting and, and how it will support kind of Scottish rugby, it feels like as a winger, it doesn't really matter in regards kind of his development. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, in recent games for Edinburgh, Duhan hasn't really touched the ball. So it's not going to make much of a difference going to Worcester where the wingers don't really get that much uh, in, in possession. Um, but I th- yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I almost get the sense that Duhan could go and play a few games for Worcester and unless he's flogged and made to play a lot more games than he would for Edinburgh, I could, I could almost see him still coming into the Scotland camp and being able to replicate the form that he's shown recently. I'm not so fussed about that side of things. I don't, I don't think it'll make him a, a worse player, but potentially if he had moved to a side that was even in the top six of the Premiership, even someone like Sale, then he could potentially become a better player through consistent exposure to a higher level of of rugby would be my, my other point. No, I get that. As interest, I mean, I, it's interesting that you know what we seem to be seeing is obviously quite a few players sh- looking down south or sh- shifting down south. I think you know the the trend has maybe over the last sort of five six years. I think has been less Scottish players playing in the English and the French leagues, and I think there seems to have been a little bit of a shift in the last year where. A lot of, especially those top Scottish players, are sort of looking at England, and maybe not so much France. You obviously got Finn, but there isn't really anyone else there, um, and appear to be sort of looking at that as a sort of their better option, especially when sort of twenty five plus. Um, and I wonder, as we said, if this is going to be a trend that continues, and potentially just because of the fact that the, the pro clubs don't have wealthy benefactors are wrapped up in a union which, whilst obviously has made good money from the pro team, ultimately is now being so severely impacted by the fact it can't have fans in, is that we're just going to see that continuing trend, especially over the next year or two, as the SU try to kind of ride out this severely kind of a a terrible time with them from a financial standpoint. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, and I'm sure this is not the last time we will be talking about the difficult choices faced by the SRU um, brought on by coronavirus and having to sell big-name players. I'm sure there will be more bad news for us to follow up on in the coming weeks. But there was more bad news, or certainly difficult news, that came out today. 
Glasgow's um, second match in the Champions Cup. Uh, they were due to be playing Lyon this weekend has been cancelled. This is due to an outbreak of coronavirus within the Exeter camp, which has led to 20 Glasgow players who were obviously exposed to Exeter last weekend um, having to self-isolate and Glasgow not being able to put forward a squad. Now, the output of that is going to be decided at a panel tomorrow, but it looks like that is probably going to result in a a default 28-0 bonus point loss to Glasgow, rendering them even more out of the competition than their 42-0 loss by Exeter at the weekend probably did. Um, Alan, it it doesn't rain, it pours on um, Scottsdale at the moment, doesn't it? Glasgow played one, lost two, points four, zero, points against 76. It's a great, great record. Welcome back to Europe, lads. Jesus, that is um, absolutely horrific. I mean, that, and we stress, this is, uh, what day of the week is it? Wednesday evening, and it has not been confirmed. But, you know, they got coronavirus from Exeter by fulfilling a European club fixture. Not like it was the lads out on the pace or on an empty and they've picked it up in a club or like in a house party they got it playing a European fixture. So does it not feel a bit shit that they're getting handed a 28-0 loss when they really couldn't do anything about it? I kind of look at the the Lyon team, who obviously put 41 points in a miserably weakened Gloucester side at the weekend. And they, because obviously Lyon, if, if their priority is the top 14, but seeing as they won that game, they might send over a full strength, they might have sent over a full strength team. And they've got Bassero, Cretin, Roda, Lambie, Chalky, uh, Charlie Natai, um, Toby Arnold. Like, I think it's maybe a blessing in disguise. I don't think Glasgow need that at the moment. They need, I don't know what the next Pro 14 game is, but I mean, I, you, you would say they need Dragons at home, but that's not exactly a banker these days. They need Zebre at home with all their internationals back, and maybe, you know, they can get back on track. Well, they literally just lost Dragons at home. Actually, the, the next two games are Edinburgh, home away. I think that's... Th- th- those are okay games to be going into at the moment, I think, for Glasgow, because that that's something to, to aim for and get fired up, where, some, you know, it it's not always form that decides those games. I guess looking back at the game on on Sunday, you know it's forty two nil, and it was it was a real. I, I still don't even think Exeter really got like really got out of maybe like second or third third gear. It's and and to be to be honest, they didn't even have their first string team out. They always had Cowan Dickey on the bench. Johnny Hill would be a starter. I think if it was like a proper knockout game ahead of one of either Skinner or Gray, yeah, they were still just to. It was just so easy for them, and I even think at certain points, you know, I, I can't remember who who scored scored the try. I think it was maybe Devoto Devo kicked it through, and maybe it was either Woodburn or Flattery scored. And 
they had that, you know, that kind of jokey, laughing kind of smile look in their face where they clearly knew that they were going to win. They were kind of having a bit of fun, even in quite crap conditions. And it's, it felt, you know, felt it was almost, almost a little bit insulting, but potentially quite fair in terms of kind of the performances of both teams. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It, it was just obviously on paper, you've got the English reigning English and European champions against a Glasgow team that are on a horrific run of form coming off the back of a home loss to the Dragons. But you'd still expect Glasgow to offer a bit more. And it was just really disappointing that even the basics were just not there. I mean, giving away, I think it was sort of 10 penalties in the first half, it feels like you sort of have to actively be looking to give away penalties, which seems absolutely bizarre given extra team that thrive on possession and just the handling, the the kicking, all that sort of sort of stuff, just the, the basics, which you, you know, you expect any team to do well in just, I think shows how far this Glasgow team have fallen considering last year, we talked about it on the, on last week's pod, they managed to, to hold Exeter to, to 16 points and were sort of in the game at halftime with a not too dissimilar team ultimately. So yeah, I mean, overall it was probably the weakest performance across the whole tournament of the, of the weekend. I think you're probably right. And we'll come back to talk a little bit more about the champions cup as we, uh, as we sort of look back and ahead for Edinburgh's fixture coming up this weekend, but we can't get into any sort of positive territory before we continue to dig through the shit. It's like the Shawshank Redemption round here. And the next um, thing that we've got to crawl through is the Rugby World Cup draw. Um, we were hoping hoping for Wales and um, Japan, but we got South Africa and Ireland, um, two teams that we've got an awful lot of experience of playing and not an awful lot of joy in beating in recent years. Alan, talk me through your emotions about the draw. Genley, how bad is 2020? Just literally keeps getting worse. It just needed to be over. Um, yeah, I was sort of watching it. And obviously Scotland actually got put in the pool first and sort of missed out on France, which I was relatively sort of happy about. And then got Ireland, which I think actually, you know, given the teams now and given our sort of recent performance, Ireland are almost with the worst of those kind of second tier of teams. It feels like at the moment, I appreciate France and Australia are probably on a kind of upward trajectory, but you're probably back Scotland to beat France or um, Australia more than you would Ireland. And then, yeah, you just sort of get South Africa as your, as your top team, which, you know, apart from probably New Zealand, is the team you, you want the least. And then I think as our fourth team, it looks like we're going to have either Tonga or Samoa, which whilst you back Scotland to beat, it's just a slightly harder kind of fourth team than you, you, you were hoping for, right? You, you want those bottom two teams to be a Romania, a Georgia, a Uruguay, etc. But it's just like, you're always going to have a tough game. So, yeah, I guess it's just, you know, ultimately we, we've sort of talked about it a lot and the fact that Scotland ultimately, due to a few performances and the sort of current rankings off the back of... Um, the sort of when sort of COVID happened have meant that we've ended up in that third tier, and it's it's just sort of disappointing that <laughs> we've ended up with such kind of a 
harsh draw and I guess drawn two teams which now have a game that we've historically really, really struggled to, to combat. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really galling as well because England have gone, have got probably the easiest draw they could probably get. So I think just, I mean, I know we can't do anything about that, but it does, uh, it does sting extra that they, they look like they've sort of got guaranteed sort of cakewalk through, through the pool stage. But we are where we are. We shouldn't expect anything easy. The worst part Down. is that if we somehow fight our way out of that South Africa Ireland group, we will almost certainly have New Zealand or potentially France as a quarterfinal, which is going to be a complete shit show just because of A, how good New Zealand are and B, how good New Ze- France look like they might become. So it's a pretty it's a pretty savage draw. That 2015 quarterfinal against Australia that's the closest we're ever going to come in our lifetimes, isn't it? To, you know, World yeah. Cup success. 78 minutes of joy. Someone uh, slipped into our DMs and, and, and made a very depressing point, which was uh, they think the, the number of points that we lost by losing to the USA away in 2018 actually meant that we dropped from the second tier to the third tier. How weird is that in terms of just like future impact? God damn it, Matt Ferguson dropping that, dropping that high ball, like bouncing off his shoulder and letting them run through for a try out of absolutely nowhere. Did any of you watch it? It was like one of the weirdest, um, just sort of kind of TV show or t- like kind of event slash TV kind of performances of all time. It was like essentially just like. I don't know. It feels like in these COVID times when money's tight, just bloody just put like O'Driscoll and some and someone else up and just do a draw. And it was this like elaborate sort of show that clearly must have cost like tens of thousands of pounds. And I'm just like, just literally get like you know that video of Rod Stewart just pissed, just getting balls out of a ball, uh, balls out of a ball. Just that's all that's needed. None of it. This is not needed. Yeah, it was all a bit. It was all a bit much. But you know, when have world rugby ever, you know, been accused of um, playing it down or reading the public mood particularly well? So um, I think everyone was treated to like sort of like an hour and a half's worth of build up before like even a name was even uh, pulled out of the hat. But as we say, did not go Scotland's way. Um, so yeah, we're we're almost forty minutes in. I'm 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 almost at the bottom of the the doom scroll through my agenda for today. The last point, which we haven't talked about at all, and apologies to Edinburgh fans, I don't actually think we've mentioned you at all until this point, but I hope you forgive us because we've been giving Glasgow a pretty good panning on your behalf. But Edinburgh went down um, to La Rochelle at the weekend in their first game in Europe. I think on the scoreline it was fairly tight, but on the pitch... I don't know, it, it didn't feel that like Edinburgh were ever really in danger of actually winning that game. Matt? Yeah, I mean, we were all sort of cautiously optimistic that they might be able to to win the game, considering they were able to welcome back a lot of Scotland internationals and put out pretty much a full-strength team. But then when I saw the result, 
the final result, I, I wasn't actually surprised at all, just because Edinburgh at the moment seemed to have found a pretty good knack of of losing games. Um, I mean, La, La Rochelle are a good team, a very good team. They're doing very well in the Pro 14. And, you know, they've got players like Audrey, Gurdon, Skelton, Kerbalo, um, Botia. But I still think Edinburgh, if they're playing, you know, t- towards their full potential, have enough quality and firepower to, to deal with that. And it just seemed that sort of the game management was pretty poor, errors at key points of games, uh, p- key points of the game, and just not much of a sense of what they were trying to achieve in, in the game, which I think has been kind of the case over the last um, couple of months. I just, I don't quite see where this Edinburgh team are now going, obviously on a, a kind of high, a kind of upward trajectory until last year when they fell at kind of the final hurdle of knockout rugby. But now I'm just not quite sure where where, where Edinburgh are. Alan, have you got any idea where um, where Edinburgh are? Matt seems to be looking for them. No, I guess it's the disappointment. Obviously, there was a disappointment of sort of the, the general Autumn Nations Cup period. And, you know, obviously there was a few youth players that, that came in over that time. But I actually think when you look at it, it, it was actually not a terribly unexperienced squad. You know, you, you had people like Johnston, Dean, Bennett, um, Burgos, you know, Bradbury, etc., who, I don't know, just, just seemed to sort of struggle without a few of the kind of heavy hitters um, involved, which was a bit was a bit disappointing. And then I think, you know, ultimately, probably apart from, apart from Blaine, a lot of the young guys, therefore, sort of got lost in what was a really sort of tough month for for Edinburgh. I think in terms of obviously this this weekend, I think you know ultimately that La Rochelle team is is really good. Firstly, you know they were top of the league, or they are top of the league, I think, in in sort of the top fourteen. So I think there is that, but I, I think you're right in the sense that Edinburgh just do seem a bit lost in terms of what that game plan is, and I think you know it, Pergos seemed to be a little bit of kind of the beating heart of kind of that whilst maybe not the most sexy team in the world, you know, a pretty effective team sort of 12, 18 months ago. And I think Pergolf really seems to have sort of kind of lost his form a little bit. And then in that pack, without maybe sort of Gilchrist, Matt has kind of lost a bit of form. They're struggling to kind of assert themselves on teams. And, you know, just a few players just either not being there or losing form seems to have a just sort of, it's that that full team started to struggle and a few of the other players just maybe haven't stepped up as much as we'd hoped over the last sort of 12, 18 months. So how do you feel about the prospect of sale this weekend in the Champions Cup? They're going to have to do something quite special to reach that sort of, uh, that next round in this slightly strange truncated um, tournament sale. Obviously having their own troubles, Steve Diamond leaving. Um, in the last week or so, Matt, uh, Alan, you've got your little virtual hand up. How do you feel about the the challenge that Edinburgh are going to face? Before before Matt chips in, I just to say this has got to be the game that no neutral is watching. There can't be a neutral rugby fan that is like Saturday night, eight pm. You know what I want to do? I want to put my feet up and I watch Sale versus Edinburgh on a, on like a wet Saturday night. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> the game for, that nobody actually wants and even the fans are just sort of begrudgingly tuning into. I will only watch it because I have a deep interest in Scottish rugby. I'm not I'm not going to enjoy it. I already know that. The thing is, it's, Alan, it's you've almost... Got a deep... Sorry, I was going to say, Matt, you've got a deep interest in um, Strictly Condancing this, uh, this year. Are you going to... Facing a bit of a Sophie's choice there. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is the final, I think, this weekend. Uh, but I managed to to miss the semi final last weekend. So I mean, what's what's the point in watching the rest of it? I suppose. Um, it, the the other thing is, it's like the the eight o'clock spot is, I'd say, like kind of prime time viewing. I think it's actually a really good good time to watch, you know, an entertaining match of rugby. But we've got Sale versus Edinburgh, or you've got the delights of Bordeaux against the Dragons. <laughs> you know, it, it's not exactly. It's pretty slim pickings. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of. I, I would imagine that Sale, having put out a kind of second string team against um, Toulon, uh, not Toulon. Uh, who were they playing? It was Toulon. Um, you you would think that they would once again, having lost that game, probably do the same with the focus on their premiership. Cockrell said that he's going to, he's aiming to win that game. So he's going to try and put out a full strength team. At least that's what he said. And if that's the case, if you've got those two lineups, then it, it would be very disappointing to see an, an Edinburgh loss for sure. You know, as, as you say, um, sale of, of lost Steve diamond as well. And they seem to be, a, you know, a bit in uh, transition at the moment. So yeah, I, I really think Edinburgh should win it. But then, given the the nature of the tournament this year, that, that doesn't sort of actually guarantee anything. Alan, your bookie has been having uh, quite a good time of late, taking money out of um, Freya's trust fund from you. Um, what do you think is going to happen uh, this weekend, Edinburgh versus Sale? Yeah, I'm literally propping up the Betfair share price at the moment. It's been an absolute shit show, um, but. I don't know. It's it's a weird one with Edinburgh. It still feels like they've got the spine of a team that you know, should be able to do a job against teams like 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 a Sale. I, I think ultimately, you know, Sale didn't you know didn't do a Gloucester and put out the kids, but they definitely appear they didn't really put out a full strength team against Toulon. And I imagine just with everything that's going on with Steve Diamond, and I think they clearly think they've got a chance at at least top four, whether after what happened last weekend, they've, they might just sort of kind of put the Champions Cup to one side. So I'm, I'm putting my my faith in, in Cockers again, which has been a very sort of terrible um, gambling move over the last month. But it feels like hopefully with um, the majority of that pack back together for at least kind of a couple of weeks and, and most of those most of those backs kind of back from back from international duty and kind of getting a bit of game time together, hopefully they should be able to kind of break down that sale team. So I'm gonna go with, with Edinburgh by um by ten. Edinburgh by ten. Wow. That would be something to shake us out of this doom spiral. Matt, are you buying it? Absolutely not. I'm taking the complete opposite side of that bet. The, the last two weeks, as someone said on Twitter, I think Alan's bookie is currently something himself in Barbados. So, house always wins. I'm going to go with the house. 
Well, there you go. I mean, yeah, it would certainly fit the narrative, uh, a sort of damning Scotland uh, loss. A week off for us all to soul search and then back-to-back 1872 Cup games over Christmas, which, as history tells us, are always absolutely terrible. That is like the perfect end to 2020 for Scottish rugby, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I I think it's going to be, obviously, Glasgow um, game isn't happening. Let's say Edinburgh lose. And then maybe two trialist draws just to close out the year. Yeah, that's that's the bet. Yeah, well, put your money on that. I think that is almost certainly what is going to happen. And we will be with you every step of the way to um, dissect the misery. And hopefully one day we will emerge at the end of this tunnel of shit and uh, the redemption will be there for Scottish rugby. But certainly hasn't been there for my whole lifetime, so I'm not maybe holding my breath. But until then, we will be here on the pod. You can keep up with us on Twitter at ThistleRugbyPod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Please get into the mailbag if you've got any thoughts on the doom scroll and everything that's going on. That's the thistle rugby at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe to the newsletter that's on Substack, the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. And we will be in your inbox every week. Thank you and good night. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.